the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Well, aloha and welcome again to the believer's journey. I want to thank everybody for... Uh, joining us. I want to thank everybody for praying for our ministry, everybody who supports our ministry. I really do uh, mean it from my heart. I really do appreciate you, and, and, uh, and I'm very humbled by all everybody when they write in and everyone who uh, helps and promotes this uh, ministry. Uh, today, um, we have uh, a guest uh, from... Um, the what was the San Antonio Beacon now is called the Beacon. Uh, his name is uh, Duke Johnettes, and uh, say hello. Hello, glad to be here, <laughs> Alan. <laughs> Duke and I go way back. Um, we had a a group that I helped found uh, called the San uh, Christian Business Chamber of Commerce in San Antonio, and there was a period there for a few years that uh, Duke uh, came on board and was on the board and so forth and uh, that's how we know each other yeah that was great it's good yeah. to see you again. yeah same here um i know when i told my wife that you were coming she was like oh really <laughs> <laughs> she really likes you so, that, so she, she must have <laughs> seen my heart at some point right during that time on the board yeah well i think a lot of things that she saw that you wanted to do and implement and, and what where you were she agreed with you so obviously there was something there that she really attached to your heart at the time. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the Beacon is uh, San Antonio's only Christian uh, news uh, community uh, and community website. And you have a, a magazine. Okay, here's their magazine. Let's see if I can get that there, the Beacon. And it's a, a four-page. It's always a four-page. Well, well we've, we actually changed our model when COVID hit. So we were doing a full-blown 20 to 24-page magazine. Okay. And mailing those out across the city, as well as putting them in, in distribution points in San Antonio, primarily churches. But when COVID hit, nobody wanted to touch anything. Our advertisers, most of them were like, we're not doing any marketing until we can figure out what's going on with the pandemic. And so that really forced us to take the, the beacon and become more digital in our approach. As we did that and moved to a more digital format, we started printing what we call now a newsletter rather than a magazine, which provides just a very small snippet of stories that are on and in the digital issue at sabeacon.com, uh, uh, hopefully enough to entice someone to go to the website and read the rest of the story, not just the summary or a very short snippet. So those newsletters still go out to distribution points across the city. There's information. You're going to get excited about some of what you read in there. But to get the whole story, you want to go then to sabeacon.com. We've got uh, our homepage is updated almost on a daily basis. I mean, God is busy here in San Antonio. 
uh, the digital issue comes out every other month. So our, our current issue is the September, October issue. Our next issue will be November, December, coming out the week of Thanksgiving. So I'm real familiar with your website. I, I go on it pretty regularly. Uh, you may not know this. I, I didn't tell you, but I go on there to find people who are in ministry to come on to my program. Awesome. So uh, and uh, so that's been kind of cool. Uh, I've had a few people on here, and but you have a lot. Um, the, the newsletter, as you call it, is really really small compared to your website. Your oh, website yeah. has is amazing. A lot of stories, a lot of uh, articles, and things that really. Uh, I think is huge. Not only that, you, you have a listings, and you, you're not just in San Antonio. You're up in Johnson City, all the way to uh, Wimberley, down to Corpus Christi. Tell us about this. Yeah, San Antonio and surrounding areas. So really, the, the, the mission of the Beacon, when, when Claude and I took over about four years ago, we really spent about the first six weeks praying and asking God, hey, this is your tool. I mean, what is it? What do you want us to do with it? And so we landed on a mission statement that, that is the beacon acts as a communication tool to report on God's activity in San Antonio and the surrounding area in order to accomplish three things. How do we intentionally connect nonprofit ministry efforts to additional resources? If I ask any executive director that's heading up a ministry, hey, if you had another 10 or $12,000 or eight or 10 volunteers, what would you do? And they're going to talk to me, Alan, about either strengthening an existing initiative or launching a new one. Bottom line, they're going to change more lives. Number two, how do we connect people to purpose? Believing that there are thousands of believers in San Antonio and the surrounding area that would really love to serve outside the four walls of the church, but they don't know who, how, or where. And so by going to that website and reading stories about ministry, we're able to to first help them with maybe even locating what am I passionate about and then connecting them so that they can support these local ministry efforts, either with their finances or as a volunteer, with even staff have been hired and found a ministry and a job through reading a story in the beacon. And then finally, how do we connect Christian community minded companies to more loyal customers, knowing that as we do so, they're going to give more back to the community. When you look at all three of those major points of the mission statement, they all point one direction. Let's change more lives in San Antonio. You know, my dreams, I've been in ministry now for over 30 years, and I've, my calling is literally to the city of San Antonio, not an organization, not a church. Uh, my wife and I have been missionaries, lived by faith for the last 30 years. Uh, that, that's, that's a a whole nother story we can get into about some of the challenges and the trial. But people really don't understand the side benefits of being a missionary, right? Yeah. Way beyond right? the health insurance and some of those other things. Anyway, uh, really being called to the city and believing with all my heart that San Antonio is going to become the first transformed city in the nation. Held up as a lamp for other communities, other cities to look at and see what happens when God comes with great power and might, majesty, and love. And so that's really my calling. And the beacon is an outlet for me to be able to express that. And, you know, it's interesting because <clears throat> on this program, and I don't know how many, program, how many programs we've had from people where I've had a guest that are from San Antonio, and I know it's a majority of, of the people. And San Antonio is just 
inundated with all kinds of ministries and missionaries and pastors and uh, ministers that's, that they're doing amazing work. Um, so I, I think that your, your, your goal and your dream and your vision is pretty good, uh, especially when we have such ministries that, that not only do we have many of them, there's a lot of them that work with another, which there you go. What do you think Christianity is all about? You know, when Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you, the world will know that you are mine by the way you love one another. And if these ministries are working together, loving one another with the ministries that are out, the people and things they need to minister to, we're, we're accomplishing the very goal and the very command Jesus gave us. Well, and it's biblical, right? Yeah. I mean, Ecclesiastes talks about two are better than one. Why? Because they get a better return for their work. So that tells me that if we get two ministries to partner together, they're going to change more lives. Yeah. There's a commanded blessing even in Psalms that we're given in Scripture that talks about the oil running down Aaron's beard and all the way down his feet when brothers come together in unity. And so, you know, a, a big part of what the beacon does, I can't tell you how many emails or quick text messages or phone calls we have from ministries saying, thank you for the story on this ministry. I've connected with them and we're now partnering together so that we can change more lives in San Antonio. So amen. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in looking at your website, and I'm just going to bring up some of these things. Uh, so you have, you um, advertise events. Yes. Okay. Uh, what kind of events do, are they? Any, really, any local event that, that uh, there's two ways that an event can end up on our website. One is we, we have a team that looks for Christian events across San Antonio. And so they'll send us different events that they see on Facebook or Instagram, social media. Maybe their church is doing something in the city. And so they'll send a quick email to us. And, and really, the other is ministries and churches are learning that as they do different Christian outreach activities, we need to connect with the beacon so they can put it up on their calendar. So any citywide event, really any event that's open for the whole city to participate, send an email to editor at sabeacon.com. We'll be glad to put it up on our event calendar. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. And then you have a thing called Beacon TV. <laughs> okay, tell me about it. Claude and I kind of argued about the name because he was like, I don't want to mislead people. You know, it's not a streaming <laughs> television station. It's really just... Uh, a web page dedicated to our YouTube channel and videos that we end up putting up. So if we're a communication tool, there are a variety of ways to communicate. You can do it through an article, through the written word, but you can also do it, and maybe even more effectively, with video, mm -hmm. on video. And so Beacon TV is probably the second most visited page on the website outside of our homepage, which is going to have those current stories that are always changing. Oh, now I noticed also you had a, a, a page called webinar and, I, and I'm assuming right now what you have, you have several different videos of um, the topic is in prayer. So people look at this, they go through the topic. How long is that topic going to be on until you have a new topic on a different webinar. Yeah, so the good news is, especially when it's, with something as, as uh, long-lasting as prayer, I mean, somebody wanting to learn about prayer is never going to go away. So it'll be up forever. The next webinar that we have coming up is a study that I led, and we went ahead and recorded it on uh, the power that lives within us and talking about the, the spiritual gifts, 
how we all are, are, are given gifts by the Holy Spirit and the way that we can access that gift in order to be able to lead others to Jesus. So, you know, if you've ever wanted to experience God in a new way, if you've ever wished, you know, I wish I had the, the spiritual gift of faith or I wish I had the spiritual gift of healing, uh, this would be a great study for you to go to. So going back to that second part of our mission statement, Alan, connecting people to purpose, part of that means equipping them, right? And so that's really what these webinars are meant to do. I think oftentimes prayer is one of the most misunderstood subjects in, in Christianity. So we actually uh, were able to put together a team of seven different spiritual leaders, each teaching for one hour on a specific topic of prayer. So one of those topics, for instance, on the website is how do I teach my children how to pray? You know, cool. Want to know that, right? Uh, Joe Carroll here with Biblical Leadership for Excellence did a one hour on how do I incorporate prayer into my, my business life, into my company. Rather, I'm an owner or an employee. How would that look? Right. And so really good information on that webinar. Um, there's also a special page that's just was put up probably in May or June. Uh, and it's the name of the page is God is building his army. So there's a banner on the homepage that you can click through to get there. And really what it is, is, is a combination of stories of what God did over the summer months here in San Antonio to really build an army so that he can advance his kingdom in our city. There were two major evangelistic events that took place, but in those events were also equipping opportunities to help people understand how they can share their faith. And then the third activity that came up right on its on the heels of these two evangelistic events was a pastor here in town that has been motivated to do a citywide discipleship effort. Really begin to collaborate. Discipleship's going on in San Antonio, in different parts of the city, uh, maybe it's a ministry that's, that's helping disciple people like we talked about, BLE, maybe C12 and the marketplace. Maybe it's literally a discipleship school. So they're really in the process of building a foundation of where can somebody go and plug in and grow? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the last thing, at least last question I have about the website is you have a page called Stories. Now, when I clicked on there, you had about, I don't know, six or seven different categories. Each category had a number. So I'm assuming each category of what the story was had like seven different stories to that category. Explain that. Yeah, correct. So when we, we put a story up, I, I'm not going to remember all the categories. There's faith, what's happening uh, in, uh, in the Christian community, uh, hangups and habits, so we put a category in the, in the actual article when it's placed on the website so that people can search by category. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our stories may be having something to do with social issues in the community. And so if they want to look at, they, they found a story, they liked it, but it's really not on a ministry or, a, or a, an effort that they're passionate about. No problem. They can click then on that category about social issues here locally, and there are going to be tons of other stories come up then on different ministries that they can now research, find out what their website is, make contact with them. Wow. So your website is, seems pretty remarkable. Whoever's done it, it's done an amazing job. It's really top, top notch. Well, we're getting ready. We, we have plans. If you're listening out there and you want to help, boy, you know, email Duke at sapcon.com because we're getting ready to do a complete makeover on the website as well. We hope to have that finished 
by the summer of 2023. We, we are on a platform called eDirectory for our website. And we've discovered based on where Claude and I believe God wants to take the beacon, that there's some limitations that we just can't live with. And so we're moving the website onto a new platform that's really going to strengthen again our digital presence, our SEO, so that more people can find the website. We also hope to be to, to, to take this local model that we've developed and move it into other cities and communities. So we want to start hopefully with two in Texas in 2023. We've developed the processes and systems well enough where now we can act as a hub here in San Antonio and really only need a point person in another city to be able to feed stories. And we assign them then to our writers, our, con- our videographers, our photographers, people that we already have on staff. So uh, the beacon's getting ready to grow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So if I happen to be somebody in a church or a pastor or just somebody in charge of a uh, um, missions or something like that. How could I get uh, the beacon, let's say the newsletter, to my church or to my organization or my office? Yeah, it's easy. Just send a letter to editor at sabeacon.com, an email, uh, and let us know in the subject line. I want it to be added to your distribution list. Send us your address and, and really the size of your congregation or your ministry, which will help us determine how many newsletters to send you, and we'll get them out to you every time a new issue comes out. And the website is uh, www.sabeacon.com. And you can find uh, on the guest page, you can find uh, their logo. You click on the logo, you go right to their website. And if you want to go to contact us, you'll find the web, that email right there. And so that'll be really easy. Yeah, sure. If you've got an event coming up, if they're, listen, content-wise, the Beacon really is almost a free marketing tool for your ministry or church to help you build awareness. So pastors out there, if you're recording your sermons, send them to us. We'll get them up on the website and help you promote even your local church. Ministry efforts that are out there. A lot of times, you know this is true, Alan, the the nonprofit ministry world really doesn't understand marketing. And, And it's a shame, right? I mean, we're good at praying and praising God when that surprise gift shows up in the mail. But we don't often realize that we are supposed to take dominion over the principles that God created, which are every bit as holy as that surprise gift. And some of those principles are, how do I get the word out about what I'm doing so that I can't support what I don't know about? Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, a big part of our, our, our reason for the beacon is to help nonprofits really begin to market and understand how to do that maybe even start to include it as a line item in an operating budget because marketing is not an expense. It's an investment with a long, short and long-term return. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this come, brings me to another question. So you mentioned it, it uh, it's free. Obviously it's not free. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, how do you function? How can people help the beacon survive and grow? It's a great question. So there are two ways really that, that we look for revenue to be able to, to hire the people that we need on staff, to be able to be a writer, a photographer, a videographer, send a reporter out, maybe do a live report, record it on video. One would be just through a simple donation. The beacon is a, a 501c3 um, nonprofit organization. And so those donations are tax deductible. 
Uh, you can go to our website and there is a donate page that you can visit to make an online donation. Secondarily, and again, this goes back to Christian community-minded companies, a lot of the revenue that we see come in, we're actually looking for Christian businesses to sponsor different things so that we can get them up on the beacon. So a Christian business, can, you know, for about the same amount of money a Christian business would spend to, let's say, sponsor a golf tournament for a nonprofit, where maybe a couple of hundred people are going to see their brand, for about that same amount of money, the beacon can put your brand in front of thousands. Wow. It really becomes a no-brainer. And I've noticed, I noticed on your website as well as on, in your uh, newsletter, you have businesses that are have little advertising banners. Yep. So. Yep. And our, and our advertising looks different. If you go to the website and you look at the banners or you've got a newsletter and you've seen it in the past, we really don't put ads in. What we're doing is using cause marketing. So we're really highlighting these community-minded companies and allowing them to speak about ministries that they support. Why do they support the Beacon? Why do I support a story that's in the Beacon? Which really strengthens their brand then as a community-minded company. Now, here's the amazing thing. Research shows, and this is why we went with cause marketing, that in any giving buying situation with liked service or product and the price is about the same, nine out of 10 consumers are going to purchase from the community-minded branded company. Nine out of 10. So one of the best things you can do to, to change your marketing, if you're a small business or a business here in San Antonio, is to contact us about, hey, how can I get involved in this cause marketing that you guys are doing? Yeah. Now, if I remember right, um, and I told you this earlier, um, some of the people that I have had on my program, I've actually found on on your website. But I also, in looking through your website, I noticed that you do um, snippets or, or little stories or you about some of these ministries. Um, explain that. So probably what you saw is what we call the Beacon Report. Um, the Beacon Report, I'm going to tell you what it is now, but I'm going to tell you what it's going to become. So we, we literally do a Zoom Q&A interview, kind of like what we're doing today with you, with one of the leaders of a ministry, ask them enough questions to help people understand who they are and what they do. But we also videotape it. So we initially started the Beacon Report as a podcast, and we realized, let's just make it a video too, and turn it into almost a special Christian newscast. So that's what the Beacon is now. It's still getting a message out, but delivering it in a video or an audio format so that others can listen in. What the Beacon Report is going to become as we dream and look forward to 2023 is literally a bi-weekly Christian newscast where just like you watch KMOL or visit KMOL's website and they send reporters out across the city to cover murders or wrecks, the Beacon is going to send reporters out across the city to report on the good news. Not the bad news. I yeah. read that. I read that. that. I thought that was really cool. That we you do reporting on good news, positive things, which um, I know that there's. Uh, I've seen that in some of the. Uh, there's one uh, news gather. They're a big organization, but they do the same thing. They report on the good things and healings and people doing good things. I think that's a great yeah, thing. Let me tell you, I've got the best job in the world. Claude and I both do, right? So I get paid. Literally, God pays me. He's my provider, right? 
Uh, we have a bunch of people that support uh, the Beacon and even a few that support just Debbie and I individually as missionaries. But I literally get paid every day to listen to God's stories for eight hours a day. <laughs> and they're all amazing to listen to how God's working that, in somebody's life and somebody's ministry. That is, that, that's, a, that's pretty cool. Well, and the Beacon's changing lives. You got to go even beyond the mission statement. If you come to the Beacon and you read a story and you're encouraged by that story, knowing, wow, God is really active in our city in this particular area, your level of faith has now been increased. Increased faith is going to lead to increased action, which is then going to turn into more changed lives. Yeah. If you go to Beacon and you read about a ministry and you head up another ministry and you guys end up forming a partnership, again, more lives are going to be changed as a result of that. Um, you know, the mission statement itself, connecting nonprofits to additional resources and people to purpose. As that takes place, again, more changed lives. I mean, one quick story. There's a ministry here in town called Providence Place. We had done an article in the Beacon on them in, in a December issue. The fund development director had decided to take off between Christmas and New Year, and they had sent out their own direct mail piece asking for your in gifts, right? So the fund development director gets called back into the office because the response has been overwhelming. He sits down and begins to look at checks and realizes that there's a, a significant number of checks that don't match the zip code that they mailed their direct mail ass to. But he looked at where the beacon was being distributed and realized that these checks were coming in as a result of that article in the beacon. And so he credits us with a little over $20,000 in new donations at the end of the year. And Alan, that doesn't include the lifetime value of those donors, many of whom are going to continue to give again and again and again. So quick story about the reality of what building awareness for your nonprofit ministry can do. So if you're out there and you're heading up a ministry, we don't really care if you're just getting started or if you've got a staff of 50. Uh, reach out to editor at sabeacon.com. We'd love to visit with you and, 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 and let you know how we can help get the word out on what you're doing. And I know from personal experience, there was a, um, a family who has a, a a nonprofit organization, uh, Christian organization, Elisa Gray. Mm -hmm. So she had mentioned our father's kingdom services. Yes. Yes. I had him on our show. We had a program with him and she had told me that uh, you had been a great help and support and inspiration for her uh, and everything she's going through and the hardships and, and everything that she's going through with the positive things. So I, I have to say, you know, ha having worked now in as a missionary again in the nonprofit world for almost 30 years, I've learned a lot. And most of those lessons were very difficult. <laughs> they became they, they came as a result of mistakes that we had made in ministry. And so, I man, my heart is if I can save anybody from making a misstep or a failure and get them really to the world want to be faster. I want to be able to do that. And so the Beacon really has somewhat of a consulting arm as well. Uh, and one of the things that we did for Alicia, we found a sponsor. Actually, the sponsor contacted us. They, they met Alicia and, and uh, her kids at a church event, listened to what they were doing. And she called us and said, I want to anonymously sponsor this ministry so that you, can you guys do a series on them? Well, a series is extremely good for a nonprofit effort, right? Because it matches marketing best practices, which is consistent messaging over time. 
Mm. You know, rarely is somebody going to be a one and done in the beacon and, and like Providence Place, see 20 grand come in. Yeah. It's going to have to be multiple stories. So she sponsored a series for Alicia. I began then to work with Alicia in terms of what was going to come out and the strategic timing of that and helped her build a fund development team around a social media campaign that we did on, on one of the beacon pages on Facebook where she had eight or 10 people now that were going out and helping to raise year end money. And it wasn't just Alicia. And so her efforts then multiplied the amount of giving that came in. Look, my heart is if, if I know for a fact, because it's happened to me, I'm blowing and going in ministry. And all of a sudden I get that that gift that came in March for $10,000 didn't show up this year. And so now I've kind of got to take down, you know, throttle back on the ministry efforts and put my fund development hat out because I've got to go out and raise more money. And so if there's anything that I can do personally to help an executive director, a leader of a ministry, focus more of their time on ministry than fund development, I'm in. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, uh, I have two more questions. One is, um, if I'm a organization and I happen to be in in uh, Corpus Christi, do you send these all the way to Corpus? And we don't. Most of the traffic that we get outside of San Antonio is just strictly through the website. website. Okay. Uh, again, we have plans next year to grow. When, when we say add cities, we're still talking about, it's one of the reasons we changed from the San Antonio Beacon to the Beacon. Long term, we knew that there would be other cities, and so we can't really have San Antonio Beacon as the name, yeah. right? So we made it more generic by calling it the Beacon. We really see a national page that comes up. So again, um, there, there really are no new ideas, right? There's just better ideas. Yeah. So a ministry leader that's reading an article from somebody that did something in Dallas might say to themselves, you know what? We can do this. We can replicate this. We might need to tweak it a little bit for our ministry. But they seem to have gotten a significant impact out of what they did. Let's try that here in San Antonio. Uh, and then individual city pages on the website. Now, uh, to, to have the beacon come to a city, it's got to be a major population. There's yeah. got to be enough traffic that we can that we that would actually visit that local page in order to pay all the expenses to keep that page up. So we're probably looking at two uh, cities, either Houston, Dallas, or Austin. So two out of those three cities next year, we hope to bring online. Wow. And the last thing I, I want to make a comment uh, is basically it looks like the beacon is uh, really evangelical in the, in the way of reaching people to help people grow in their faith, uh, to help them grow in their pursuit of spreading the gospel. And, and basically it's not just a magazine it's it's much more than this it really becomes an equipping center to a large degree you're right and that's one of the reasons for the webinars that we spoke about as well um just in my own walk i I was very fortunate because i I had a a fairly radical conversion we're going to talk about evangelism i know in a minute you know i need to tell you that evangelism is never an event it's a process um you know for Paul, maybe it was an event on the Damascus Road that happened. For me, even though there was a very dramatic time in my life when I made a decision to follow Christ, 
I realized that there were well over 100 people, as I look backwards, that had in some form or fashion evangelized me. Mm-hmm. Now, it may not have even been a full gospel presentation. Maybe they just prayed for me. Or maybe their lives were so different that I began to ask questions of them, right? And so, you know, we feel like there are going to be people in a process in their spiritual journey, not yet at a point where they've surrendered, but they're on the way that can come to the beacon, be encouraged to see how God works through people, right? Mm-hmm. We're plan A and there's no plan B. And as a result of that, take another step forward and move closer to, to that moment in time where they're going to receive Christ. You know, it's interesting. Our church that we go to now uh, every year has some kind of a di- dinner. I don't know if it's an anniversary dinner or what the uh, purpose is, but our pastor and our church are very mission oriented. And um, what they have is they have a gymnasium. They have all the people eating in there. Then all along the wall, there are table after table after table of ministries that they promote. Then you go by, you want to talk to one ministry or all of them. And this would be uh, something really good for the beacon to. Yeah, we need to communicate, maybe get yeah. some contact information from you. I'm going to share another dream I have. I, I don't know when this is going to happen, but I've seen it now more than once in a vision. And I'm convinced it's going to happen. And it's going to be labeled Acts for the city based on scripture found in Acts 4, where they shared their possessions one with another. And there were more and more people added daily, right? I I see us literally doing something in in a venue like the old municipal auditorium. I I think it's the Tobin Center now, where there's a rotunda, if you know, in that venue that goes all the way around the outside we're going to gather 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 givers in our city that really are philanthropists, but more than that, really want to support faith-based efforts and do the same thing you talked about. Have ministry efforts around that rotunda that can be visited. And during in the inside, then, once those visits have, have finished, take up an offering that would be split then between all the ministries there. So what you're really supporting is not necessarily one ministry effort, but your one gift is touching an entire city through a variety of ministry efforts that are all focused in different areas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned um, that in in your life, changing gears to evangelism, you mentioned that there were several people, a hundred or whatever it is, that touched your lives to help make that transition for you into to Christ. And, and I have to say, it, I didn't know if there were that many people for me, but it's, there was quite a few people. And an interesting thing is that I actually decided to make um, a change uh, when I talked to the pastor of the church that I didn't know. But what drew me to him was because I read a, a little book booklet that was a comical booklet called the beast <laughs> you know and um i was hitchhiking and the guy picked me up and he handed me the gospel of john and a track another track called the beast and while i was sitting there listening to music i was reading the beast and at the very end you know it shows you that if you followed the got the mark of the beast and didn't follow jesus you were burning in fire <laughs> and I, I immediately got up i i got scared i got you know i need fire insurance 
That, that was really the idea was I need fire insurance. I called the pastor and we talked for two days and I, I gave my life to, the, to Jesus and made him Lord of my life. But I realized there were people, there were people that were praying for me that I was siphoning gas out of their tank because they were praying for me. <laughs> you know, it really irritated me. They were kept saying they were praying for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I had to make amends with a lot of people uh, who were praying for me because it irritated me when I was a sinner that I did not want to be a Christian. And so I would say, leave me alone. Stop telling me you're praying for me. Yes, I hear you. <laughs> well, and obviously, it's, I, I believe it's at least the first two or three years after somebody makes a decision for Christ, right? I'm talking about a real decision and surrenders his will and want, wants to know, what is my purpose here? Why did you create me? And begins that journey because it just happened and it's fresh. And because they've associated with people that are not believers and some of them not really good folks necessarily, maybe they, they go to happy hour too much and drink too much at a bar, or maybe they're into drugs. But all of a sudden, that group of people that used to surround that person now literally sees him become a new creation. Yeah. And it's during those first two or three years when that circle of friends that I used to have, right, all of a sudden realize, man, what happened to him? He's different. Yeah. Yeah, he's different. Um, I know that uh, you have a definition of evangelism. Why don't you go ahead and tell, tell me what it is or tell our, our audience? So it took several, several years of, so in full-time ministry, one of the things that we did when we were on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ is to do evangelism training for these marketplace leaders in the, in the workplace. And I realized in a variety of ways over time that not everybody we were teaching to do evangelism was actually applying it and doing it. And it really began a, a deeper study for me and a deeper longing to want to know what is evangelism. Because frankly, I think Billy Graham says that 98% of Christians will never lead someone to Christ in their lifetime. That is a huge number, and, and it, it it saddens me. Well, he also of, he yeah. also said uh, most likely only ten percent of people who go to church are really born again Christians. Yes. So yeah. So all of that to say, I, I thought to myself, if I if I there's two meetings that very few people come to at church, right? If I call a prayer meeting, very few people are going to come. Right. If I call an evangelistic or evangelism training meeting. Very few people are going to come. And I believe the reason for that is that people have a misperception of what evangelism is that's scary and brings fear and, and comments like, I could never do that. So I thought, you know, I really need to define what evangelism is based on Scripture so that more people would understand they're literally evangelists. So my definition of evangelism is doing whatever is necessary in someone's life under, well, first, let's start from the beginning. Evangelism is the process, it's not a one-time event, of doing whatever is necessary in someone's life, comma, under the power of the Holy Spirit, comma, to lead them one step closer to Jesus, which may or may not include a full-time, a full-blown gospel presentation. So if I'm out in the community and I feel an unction from the Holy Spirit 
maybe I'm sitting next to somebody at a coffee shop and I'm hearing them talk about some trials that they're going through. And I want to be able to go. I hear the Holy Spirit say, go over there and, and, and find out if you can pray for them. And so as I'm obedient in that, let's say this person is on a spiritual journey, but they haven't arrived yet. I can tell you that if that prayer was number one, Holy Spirit led, and then number two, the Holy Spirit prayed. I did, and I just moved my lips. That individual is going to have an experience with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. They're going to sense, there's going to be, I've had people say, I got goosebumps when you prayed for me. Well, it wasn't me. They got goosebumps because the Holy Spirit is drawing them. Jesus is drawing them unto himself. Uh, a lot of times when I go meet with people, I meet at restaurants or coffee shops, and whoever is serving us, one of my questions is always, hey, we're going to bless our food when it comes. How can I pray for you? Do you know that th- this is what's amazing? Because you'll say, man, if I did that, they would, they would cuss at me. They would say, what do you mean you can't pray for me? Go back to the scripture where Jesus says, you say, wait four months and then the harvest. And I tell you that the fields are ripe for the harvest. I have never had anybody turn down that opportunity to pray for them. A hundred percent of them say yes. And then I take it further by saying, I don't know your situation. Can you help me pray by telling me what's going on in your life? Wow. Yeah. And they'll be, they'll speak about maybe a child that's been wayward or I'm working two jobs because of inflation and things got tough for me and I'm tired. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so even the tears then, I probably 70% of the time after that prayer is over with or in the midst of it, these servers are crying. They got to take a break so they can go fix their makeup or anything because they literally had an experience with the Holy Spirit. So evangelism is a process, not an event um, of doing whatever is necessary in someone's life under the power of the Holy Spirit to lead them one step closer to Christ which may or may not include a full gospel presentation. Uh, I think you wrote the scriptures down in, in John 4, 36 and 37, where Jesus uh, lets us know that there are two types of people in evangelism. There's a sower and there's a harvester. Well, I needed in my particular life over 100 people to be sowers. One person then ended up finally harvesting all the work that those sowers did. But the Bible says that all of those sowers and the harvester, the person that finally ended up leading me to Jesus, when in heaven are going to celebrate together. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know where somebody's at in their spiritual journey. My job is just to maybe lead them one step closer to Jesus. And it's funny um, because there's so many people who, when they hear about witnessing, they get afraid. Well, I, I can't. I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't, I don't, you know, what if they ask me questions I don't know how to answer? You know, they go on and on. It, it, which, here's where it's really funny. My wife, Susan, she's, um, she's one of these sowers. But she, her little thing is coming to church. Why don't you come to church? Hey, you ought to come to church. Well, our pastor really, you like him. Or, you know, Alan teaches this class that, you know, but that's where she's at is inviting people, uh, not necessarily sitting down with a, a big theological discussion. I've seen her talk to people biblically, you know, using that. But her big thing is invitation. And that's a a big part of when they get there, then the message in different ways. I know that um, when I became a Christian, I was 
about 16 years old. That summer, I literally, I was so on fire. I mean, it was in May I became a Christian. So in the summer, uh, even before that, I went out. I actually went out even before the summer. People were in the parks and picnicking with their family. And I had two other people with me and we would go and we would literally talk to people. Hey, right there in the middle of their picnic. We didn't care. And we just, like we talked about confrontational, yes. that's the way I am. And so I started talking to people. But the thing is, is that I think I go back to that vision or that picture of, of burning, you know, forever and ever that I talked to people because of my concern for people not yes. going there. And that was my big thing that I did. And I didn't even own a Bible. I didn't grow up in the church. I just heard Sunday school stories, and whatever came out of me had to be the Holy Spirit because I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything, and, and that's truly a true story. Uh, people were people were amazed and says, "Where did you learn this?" You know, the guys came with me. He says, "I don't. I didn't." <laughs> you know, it just came out. And so, well, I and here's the cool thing about the definition, Alan. Anybody can do it then. Yeah. Under that definition, anyone can do evangelism. I, you, know, you don't have to be a theologian. You have a story that yeah. you can share. You've got a testimony. Even if you've known Jesus and grew up in the church your whole life, and maybe you didn't have this Damascus Road experience, God has still worked in your life, maybe through answered prayer or by doing something in terms of something special. A job all of a sudden opened up that you wanted. So you have a testimony that you can share. And here's the beautiful thing about your story. It can't be debated or argued. Right. It's your story. You know, I've run into, since then, for all of these years, 50 years, I don't know how many, 45, 50 years now, later, um, I've run into people and, and I get into more theological discussions course there's a lot of people out there that have their mindset when they're 40 50 60 years old so they've already have their idea of what they believe and so in discussing with some of these people i know one in particular a really close friend of mine i talked to him and he actually goes to israel every so often he teaches the bible in hebrew but he's a jew and he's always teaches jews okay from the old testament but so we have great discussions but he just absolutely does not believe there's a God. So he teaches a Bible thinking there's no God. But so what's Judaism? What is Jew? It's a club. You know, of course, if you become a Christian out of Judaism, you're no longer part of the club. And that's how his reasoning is. So finally, it got to a point where after several years of speaking, talking to him, um, I finally said, you know what? There, there really isn't more I can say from the scripture or say theologically what I believe or what where I think it needs to be. All I can tell you is my personal experience. And I know that, you know, Jesus is in my life and he's changed and, and transformed my exactly. life. Yes. And that's all I know is my testimony. And he stopped. And he says, that's what I need. That's what I don't have. That's what you pray for me about. Yeah. I need a story. Wow. Yes. Yeah. It's like amazing. Amazing. Well, if we can think of ourselves, this, this based on even that definition, think of yourself as a holy pencil. Everybody that you run into is in a box. Mm -hmm. They're in darkness. The lid's still on. 
And your job as that holy pencil is to punch a hole, one or more, in the lid of that box so that light begins to come in. Yeah. And if there's enough people that punch holes, the lid comes off. And there's so much light now that they, they, they have to be able to make a decision. Yeah. So you're a holy pencil. You don't have to know these are the four things I have to say in order to lead somebody to Christ or here's the prayer that has to be prayed this way. No, you don't have to do any of that. Your only job is to share your own walk, your own experience, your own story with someone and poke a hole in that box. Yeah, <laughs> that really is true. You know, it's interesting. The verse you gave me in First Peter uh, 3, uh, 15 and 16 um, it says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this in gentleness and respect. It's interesting because I went back and I always do that. What is this? Where is this coming from? And really, Peter's talking about suffering. And when you start, go back to verse 8. Actually, way before this, he's talking about, he says, finally, all of you are like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, do not repay evil for evil, insult for insult, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. And he, and he talks about this, and he goes on to say, whoever uh, loves life uh, and sees good, good days must keep their tongue from evil, their lips from deceitful speech and he goes he talks about this on how you, if you're wronged make sure you live a life that is righteous according to the scripture according to the teaching of jesus and he says whoever is going to harm you if you are eager to do good um who is to i mean so who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good but even if you should suffer for what is right you are blessed do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And then he goes into those two verses, as verse 16, 17, uh, 15, 16. Then he, then he says, as part of that same verse, I mean, different verse, but same sentence, he says, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better uh, if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than doing evil. And that's really the focus that this whole passage is about. And in the center of this is uh, be prepared to give an answer. Now, that, again, you know, it doesn't have to be a big theologian, theological, you know, scholarly no. answer at all. But even Paul says in Timothy to be uh, instant in season and out of, out of season. Where does that take us? I mean, I've been I've been reading questions that people write in or, or comments that people write in, in on my program, and one of the things that ir irritates me, you know, has gotten me concerned is some of you write in something that don't they don't understand a, a passage. Well, what does this mean? And somebody else will answer that person says, "Well, God's not in you because you could you don't know the mm -hmm. word," mm -hmm. and it's like, "Oh my word, we have these judges all over the place." Because you didn't do something exactly the way they think. And I, maybe this is the reason why we have, for years and years, why we have the hesitancy about evangelizing because of the criticism. When I was 17, 
a girl asked me, she asked me a question. Maybe I was 18. What about if somebody lived on an island in the middle of Pacific and no, they had no Bible, they never saw scripture, never saw missionary, anything? What happens to that person? Well, me and my, well, they go to hell. I mean, instantly I said that until years later I realized that was a stupid thing to say. And I was being God on the judge on judgment seat. And that's not even true. <laughs> so, so I had to back up and I felt so guilty for what I was like, 17 till about 50, 60 years old, I had all this guilt mm. because of what I said to her. And she, we never really talked again. And she went to my high school. We went to a high school reunion five, five, ten years ago it was. So I was 55. Um, so basically, I she was there and I got to say to her, I, I feel so bad. And she's a believer. Oh, wow. And found out this other girl that I did know. <laughs> You know, ended up talking to her, witnessing to her several years later. She became a Christian because of her who, you know, we had that connection. And I never knew. But I prayed for someone to be sent to her. Yes. You know, send Lord, send somebody to her. You know, I messed up. <laughs> well, and it was the Holy Spirit, the gentleness and respect part of that scripture you just read in First Peter. Yeah. You didn't exemplify, right? And so it's okay, though, to make a mistake in advantage. You can't. If God's after somebody, you can't stop him. Right. So it's okay to try. I want to just encourage you, brother, because you were still trying. You needed to kind of, the Holy Spirit still had work to do in terms of grooming your presentation and so forth. And, you know, going back to 1 Peter 3.15, I can tell you in 30 years that I've been walking with Jesus now, I have never had someone walk up to me and say, tell me, what must I do to be saved? It's never happened. So we have to be aware when we look at that scripture that we walk around daily with our spiritual glasses on. And if someone says, I'm in a real bad situation in my marriage right now, what they're saying is, what must I do to be saved? Yeah. They're not speaking that in the same words, but they're searching for answers. You know, it's interesting. I uh, work with uh, several different missionaries in Moldova, and I work with different organizations. One that I work with a lot is CRU, Campus Crusade for mm -hmm. Christ. And there's something that they do, and they've done recently that I, that I thought was really interesting. They call it the four. Now, they either wear the shirt that says the four, and people say, what does that mean? So they're, they're advertising so they can share Christ. Um, and actually, I have a shirt. I, I stole this from my wife. I have a shirt, and it says the four. Oh, no, I don't know what you're seeing. <laughs> but the four, actually, there are four symbols. Okay? And, and it starts off with a heart. Now, if you remember the four spiritual laws back in the, you know, 60s and 70s and maybe 50s, this is where it comes from. And the heart, you know, is basically when somebody, people wear, have just the four symbols only. They may have them on a wristband. They may have them on a hat. That's nice. they have, I, we made masks for people with, with symbols on it <laughs> or a shirt. And so then people, they're able to say, well, the heart is God loves you and has a plan for your life, you know, and, and so forth. And we have the, the division sign. Well, you know, because of man's sin, we're divided from God, you know, and, and so we're separated. You know, but then the cross comes along. Jesus came, gave his life for us, died on the cross, so that, and became the Lamb of God so that we may live eternally with him. And then the question mark basically is, you know, well, what would you like to do? Would you like to 
follow Jesus and make him Lord of your life and so forth and have this eternal life. What a tool. Yeah, it's and, awesome. And they can, you could arrange it and say it any way you want, but they're the tools, like you said, right there. Mm-hmm. Whether you have the words, the four, or whether you have the, uh, I can't go up or down, or whether you have the symbols, they're there. And I think it's really, really cool. It's something that they do that I think it's amazing. You know what, and evangelism is going to change, I believe, Alan, because we, we now are, in my opinion, we're no, I don't think we can any longer be called even a Christian nation. No, we're and not. And so yeah. we can't even start. I mean, there's got to be, you got to back way up with somebody now because you can't start just by quoting a scripture because they're going to argue the truth of, of that scripture. I love the verse in, in Romans, I believe it is, that says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. People need to hear this because you would read that and think, okay, I got to use scripture when I'm witnessing to someone. The word there, that word, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. There are two Greek words used, logos and rhema. Mm -hmm. Logos is the written word of God. That is not the, the word that's used in that verse. It's rhema, the revealed word of God. So you do not have to use scripture. You want to be able to express the truth of scripture, but you don't have to give the address and read the actual scripture itself. Share with someone what the scripture means in a language that they can understand. And the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to them that, listen, who wants to ever admit that they're a sinner? I don't want to admit that. That means I'm a bad person. And so the difficulty, even with that, that scripture that said we've all sinned and fall short of glory, already puts somebody on the defensive. Yeah. Instead of saying God is perfect and we're not, sin can be described as missing the mark. We yeah. all miss the mark. Yeah. And I think that, that that's a good issue because there are people who um, have believed and fo- or followed Jesus at an age of three or four. And they've never changed it at all. I mean, we get this idea because we've been told in many churches that we have to say the the sinner's prayer. Well, number one, the sinner's prayer is a made-up prayer from 150 to 200 years ago, not in the scripture. Exactly. And some people say, well, if you haven't said the prayer, you're not born again. And it has nothing to do with it. Well, and even worse, other people say, if you said the prayer, you're good. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Which may be even worse because now I've got false security. Exactly. I mean, the whole idea that's taught in Scripture is making Jesus Lord of your life. And as you make him Lord of your life, he saves you. He becomes your Savior. And that is scriptural. But all this other stuff, they've made it so easy. They've watered down Christianity to where it's now become a religion. And they're foregoing the idea that it's all about relationship. And the name of this ministry that... I have here is the believer's journey. It's by purpose that it's named that. Just like you said, it's not necessarily an event. It's a process. It's a process. And when I had maybe an event to make Jesus Lord of my life, but really it's a journey through my life to work on my salvation, to to live and do the um, follow the teachings of Jesus. That doesn't stop the, the event day that I turn to him. That's a continuation for the, all of my life. And even Paul says, I daily beat myself, you know, and he says, work out your salvation. I mean, it's, it's a process. It, it is. I have one more definition for you. I've got to be able to share this. So I believe with all my heart that scripture is clear that, that salvation requires repentance. Mm-hmm. So again, we have this word that 
that to me has blood, guts, and ugliness written all over it. People here repent, and already they go on the defensive. So let's define repentance. Here's my definition. Repentance is someone who's a radical learner. (laughs) And the reason that I describe it that way is God clearly tells us that his ways are not our ways. When we come to Jesus, we now want to focus on kingdom principles, not the worldly principles we've been taught. And so we've got a whole new world and a whole new uh, way, principles and learning that needs to take place. So someone who's a, a repenter is actually someone who's a radical learner. Yeah. yeah. And I, I basically, and I divide that. I say Christian repentance opposed to repentance. It's Christian repentance is turning around and living the life in the lifestyle that Jesus has played out for us. And that's totally, you know, where it takes away from just feeling sorry for your sin. Well, that's it for the day. Ah, we can't keep going. I'm getting excited over here. <laughs> Thanks for oh, having me, brother. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's really good to see you again. So, and, and we need to stay in touch, by the yes, way. Yes, absolutely. So, well, well, Beacon will help get your content out even and add people then to your own audience. We'd love to be able to well, do that, that. Yeah, it's great because one day I might run out of people in San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us in this, uh, this program. Uh, thank you again. Uh, mahalo and aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.